Welcome to New Project Media's Interconnections podcast. Hosting this week's episode is myself, reporter Jillian uh, Ward. And reporter Michelle Franz. Uh, joining us today is Autumn Johnson, Executive Director for the Arizona Solar Energy Industries Association, also known as ARECIA. Uh, ARECIA is the state's solar storage and electrification trade association. Autumn Johnson is joining us uh, to talk about the Arizona Community Solar Program and how it compares to other community solar programs in the U.S. Thanks for joining us, Autumn. Good morning. So to kick us off, I was hoping you can share a bit about the timeline and implementation of the new program. Uh, we understand the state spent quite a bit of time trying to work out a community solar program. Well, I guess what I'm, the underlying thing I would say is we don't have a community solar program. We did spend um, about a year trying to create one um, from spring of 2022 till about February of 2023, but that, re that resulted in a policy statement, I'm using air quotes you cannot see, that will not result in a community solar program in Arizona. So can you tell us about this um, policy statement and what this means then for, for future community solar projects or, or what the state plans to, to do moving forward? Sure, well, the in November of 2022, the commission voted to bifurcate the process. And so there were a handful of items there were basic sort of structural components that they asked the utilities division staff of the Public Utility Commission, known as the Arizona Corporation Commission in Arizona, to come up with. And then they were going to have an evidentiary hearing to kind of litigate the remaining issues. And so staff was to come up with this policy statement that was going to set the foundation for the evidentiary hearing. And that is what they voted on in spring. It is a one-page sort of attachment A, um, I'm happy to send it to you, kind of just bulleted list, um, but it has so many poison pills for community solar that are not utilized really anywhere else in the country that it, it will result in absolutely no community solar being built in Arizona, and they um, eliminated the evidentiary hearing. So um, the policy statement passed, it basically was the death knell of community solar in Arizona and nothing has happened since. Um, and I'm happy to walk through the reasons why the policy statement um, was the, the death knell for community solar, if that would be helpful. That would be excellent. Yeah, let's uh, let's go through these poison pills, as you call them. So um, there's four main components of the policy statement that would render the program essentially moot. Honestly, any one of them by themselves would probably render the policy statement moot, but in combination, will most certainly not result in any community solar projects being developed in Arizona. The first one is it's entirely opt-in by the utilities. So the utilities have to decide that they wanna participate in a competitive community solar market to have community solar. Arizona is a regulated market. We don't have any kind of steps of deregulation along the way. And so uh, the odds of a utility saying, you know what, we really do want to compete with third party developers for you guys to take customers and, and um, you know, give them bill credits um, is highly unlikely. And in fact, what we have seen since that time is both TEP and APS have said that they specifically will not opt into the program. Uh, can you talk about um, how they landed on the opt-in option? Um, 
I think it's safe to assume we do not see this in any other community solar program um, in operation right now. Is that correct? Well, I'd be happy to tell you that if I knew, but the staff didn't provide any analysis as to how they arrived at that conclusion. It was not a part of the year-long working group process that we went through that was literally never discussed. The utilities didn't even suggest it in their own proposal. We didn't suggest it in our own proposal, and uh, the commissioners did not ask about it when it was voted on. So I don't know how that came to be. Uh, and so... Why don't we uh, talk a little more about this statement, this policy statement? Um, and so if a community solar project is put forward, um, utilities that are participating in this, um, uh, the, I guess this program, um, is it is it true that they they also do not have to purchase electricity from a community solar garden and they can curtail its power at any time. Uh, can, you, can you talk about uh, that part of the policy as well? Yeah, so that was one of the other four sort of poison pills within the policy statement. Unlike, I think, every other or almost every other community solar program in the country, in Arizona, the power is not must take and the utilities can curtail it for any reason at any time. And so even if a utility wanted to opt into community solar and you could actually make a project pencil given the fact that they also capped the bill credit at avoided cost, um, that was one of the other poison pills. So because the bill credit amount was predetermined to be at avoided cost uh, without any kind of analysis or reasoning, um, even if you could make a project pencil based on that, the utility does not have to buy the power. And uh, in that policy, does it talk at all about what the capacity cap is? No, that was something to be worked at in the evidentiary hearing that we never got to. Is that something that the uh, the Arizona uh, Corporation Commission will um, determine later? Will we see uh, a hearing scheduled at some point? No, they um, completely closed that docket. There will not be an evidentiary hearing on community solar. And so with uh, what we have through the policy statement, um, how are projects going to be selected uh, or has that been ironed out yet? Well, that's the fourth poison pill. In addition to the fact that utilities have to opt into the program, you can only sell the power at avoided cost. The utilities don't have to buy the power. You also have to participate in an all-source all RFP, um, even though the rate is already at avoided cost. So um, you have to compete with other people below avoided costs to be selected by the utility for them to not have to purchase the power. And so, um, I so do you, Michelle, go ahead. Sorry, I, um, I was gonna say, so what else is being done um, now that it sounds like that's um, policy is not moving very far. Um, what else is being done in the state to kind of get a community solar market moving? Well, I mean, there's three sort of major things that are kind of underway um, to sort of piecemeal try to do a community solar program. So the first one is we've tried to pursue this issue in the pending rate cases for both Tucson Electric Power, TEP, and Arizona Public Service, APS. Um, we do not expect those efforts to be successful given it's the same commissioners that are voting on them as voted on the policy statement. 
Um, and that policy statement passed 4-1, despite the fact that we made it abundantly clear that it would prevent the development of a market. And we'd actually um, done a study with ASU to talk about um, the amount of economic development that community solar would bring to Arizona. And, and that <laughs> didn't get any traction at all. They voted 4-1 basically to kill community solar. So um, we don't have a lot of hope that they will um, change their mind over the course of these rate cases. Um, but that was the only place that where we could just sort of, there was already an evidentiary hearing um, planned and pending. And so we wanted to introduce that evidence at that time um, because the standalone evidentiary hearing had been canceled. Um, they voted on the Tucson electric power rate case yesterday um, and the recommended opinion and order from staff did not adopt anything on community solar. Um, and the commissioners did not put forward any amendments regarding community solar. The APS rate case hearing starts tomorrow, um, and we've also put forward testimony regarding community solar and also specifically why the policy statement is a problem and should be reevaluated. But we would not expect the outcome of that to be significantly different than the outcome of the TEP case. Um, we are also working with the governor's um, office. Uh, on the Solar for All grant, which is a, a grant under the EPA's Greenhouse Gas Reductions Fund um, that focuses on low-income um, solar access. And we're, we're currently, that, that grant application is not due until September, but we are looking at ways to um, include some community solar-like programs in addition to residential rooftop solar so that the equity access applies to both people that are renters and homeowners and those that live in single family homes and also multifamily homes. And so that's something that we're looking at. Um, and the proposal that we're working on there would use a combination of grant funds and PERPA um, payments to be able to build some of these projects in a way that would resemble community solar without having to have a policy modification at the corporation commission. Um, and then the third, a uh, major component is that um, Arizona's commission is elected. We have an election every two years. There are three commission seats up for election in 2024. And so, um, you know, it's a priority to elect people who support the clean energy transition. And, um, you know, that's some certainly something that's top of mind. Very good. And what do developers need to know about this? Um, should that community solar... Um, policy, um, policy community solar-like um, program you were mentioning earlier that you were pushing, what would developers need to know if they were interested in partaking in that? Well, that's a good question. I mean, the application is not due until September. And so um, I don't know offhand what the turnaround time is for the EPA as, um, as to awards for that or um, when the dollars would actually be distributed, obviously would be sometime thereafter. Um, I, I guess my biggest recommendation is of course, if you're at all interested in the Arizona market, then you should be an ARACIA member because then you know we loop you in and include you kind of in all of these conversations. Um, and so um, if that is of interest, you know, I encourage people to reach out to ARACIA because we'd be happy to loop you in and include you in the conversations that are going on both for that grant and in those other those other um, components that I mentioned. Um, the other biggest thing I say is, and I tell this to our existing members, is that people can't just abandon ship. I mean, policy in Arizona never happens in less than a year. I think it was unrealistic for a lot of developers to think that we were going to go from absolutely no market to implementing in a market within 12 months. That's just not how really 
policy works anywhere, uh, but certainly not, you know, in a challenging state like Arizona, where um, unfortunately clean energy is uh, um, sort of a part of, seen as a part of an issue, even though it shouldn't be. Um, and so, um, you know, people can't just jump ship because we just didn't get a project or a program going right away if they don't stay the course and continue to work on this issue over time and educate commissioners and participate in the electoral process, we won't get a program. And so it's really important that people, um, you know, stick to it. We have to continue to push like in the rate cases, we have to continue to have commissioner meetings. We have to meet with candidates next year um, who are running for commission to educate them on community solar and the benefits because if we don't, um, it'll just be status quo, which is no community solar in Arizona, which doesn't make sense given the fact that we are sunny and have a lot of rural area and have a lot of low income folks um, that could benefit from the program, et cetera. It's, it's an ideal place to do community solar if we could just, um, you know, kind of get around the political hurdle. That's interesting you said that because that was actually um, one of my next questions that um, in a story actually Jillian did um, previously with Cypress Creek, um, their director of policy said that they believe that Arizona is in a position to lead the nation in community solar um, due to it being one of the most efficient places in the U.S. to produce solar energy. Um, it sounds like you agree with that. Sure. I mean, Southern Arizona has like more than 300 days of sunshine a year. You know, we um, we have it's, it's basin and range. So we have mountains, but we have also lots of flatland. Um, we don't have really any natural disasters. So, um, yeah, it's a great place to build solar. Um, and I wish that our politicians would would realize that and kind of get out of their own way. Uh, adjacent to this, um, we're also seeing more utilities turn to self-build projects. Uh, how do you see this impacting Arizona's community solar um, potential? Yeah, we haven't. I mean, um, it's a really small percentage of utility-owned renewables projects in Arizona. I, I want to say the utilities right now, it's like two-ish percent, or, or it, it's a very small percentage of renewables projects that they that they own themselves. Um, obviously, we have, well, significant concerns about um, the utilities, you know, that are regulated monopolies disrupting competitive markets. We have um, significant concerns with the utilities just using the terms community solar to mean all kinds of other things that are indeed not community solar. Um, so those are concerns, but I do participate in the resource planning processes for TEP and APS, and I, I don't expect a huge uptick in utility ownership of those projects uh, based on kind of recent released RFPs for utility scale projects. But, you know, obviously, um, I, don't, I don't know what the future holds necessarily. I, I feel that I'm constantly surprised by things that happen, so it's possible. But um, I really think that there is a way, and, I, and I, if things... I think that last year was a missed opportunity. And in that stakeholder process to create community solar, if there had been just a couple of little factors that had been different, I think that the utilities and the solar developers could have worked together to come up with a program that benefited both of us. Um, and it was a missed opportunity that there was not enough negotiation going on kind of outside of those working group meetings, because I really believe that we could have come up with a functional program. Uh, and to follow up with that just a, a little, you mentioned um, 
how you're seeing utilities call some things community solar that wouldn't necessarily be community solar. Can you uh, talk about that and, and what exactly you're seeing that is being labeled um, with community solar in some cases? Sure. Um, yeah, they like to use those words to mean either something different or they'll just use the words in a different combination, like solar communities or something like that. It's actually really confusing for people. And I think the that's why I mentioned the education aspect before. It was really hard to kind of undo some of the talking points and those kinds of things um, to explain to commission staff um, and commissioners what the difference is and what we were advocating for versus what the utilities claim that they already have. I mean, we in the TEP rate case, we literally pulled prior documents where they claim that their green tariff programs are community solar. Literally, they claim this in litigated proceedings, um, both in briefs and testimony. And so uh, what we usually see is one of two things. Um, it's a green tariff program where you pay a premium to kind of, you know, essentially, I assume, get wrecks because obviously it's not actually changing the energy mix at your own house. But you pay more um, for the utility to tell you that, that you're um, – power is clean or cleaner or a percentage of it is clean, which is obviously not what community solar is. Community solar, you're actually building projects and you're saving money on your bill. That was the point. Um, and then the other big thing we see is um, like EPS and solar communities program. It's basically they rent your roof and they put solar on your single family home that you don't own. And then they give you um, a bill credit um, every month of, of a set amount, but it's, it's not a behind the meter program um it doesn't um you don't own any of the power it doesn't offset your entire bill and um it obviously doesn't work if you don't have a single family home and you're not a homeowner so it's it's really just them renting your roof essentially to put their own solar panels on top thank you and uh those were our questions. Is there anything that you want to add about uh, what's going on in Arizona as far as a community solar program or uh, the potential for a program? Well, I don't think I have much to add on the, the community solar program because we don't have one. Um, on the potential for one, you know, some developers tell me that they don't think we're going to have something till like 2027 or later. You know, I am... I feel like you can't do this work if you're not actually an optimist. Um, and I say that as an optimist, even working in Arizona, which is a very challenging political climate, um, competing renewables um, since it's become such a partisan issue. But what I would say is that Arizona has great opportunity for community solar. We're a great place to build solar. And I think, um, you know, every election is a new opportunity um, to move forward with it. And so I'm optimistic that, you know, we're going to have a different commission in 2025 and another bite of the apple. So um, folks should stay tuned. Thank you so much, Autumn. And uh, to our listeners, uh, thank you for tuning in. Thanks for listening.